I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> In this episode, we are delighted, thrilled, and honored to be joined by Eye to Eye co-founders David Flink and Marcus Sutra. What is Eye to Eye? What are we talking about? Goodness, listen to this incredible episode and keep coming back because we're going to keep this conversation going and keep expanding our deep dive into the world of neurodivergent culture. I want to shout out one other player in this that I haven't thought about, and well, I think about all the time, but we haven't talked about, which is there were so many adults in these schools who for no reason, I mean, nowadays we've been around so long, we have a lot of research that backs up why our work works. We see the kids come in, their depressive symptoms can be, they go down, their self-esteem goes up. I mean, we have amazing work from UCSF and Harvard and Columbia. But at the beginning, and this is still frankly the case, it doesn't matter how many stories we have, it doesn't matter how many statistics we show, there is an adult who believes the same thing we believe, that bringing in a young person whose story matters can change the world. There is an adult, there's usually multiple adults, um, who are like, yes, we want to partner with you and do that. And it, it, I think I wanted to say that in part because we're joking about our age. And the reality is we're, we're the adults right now. Um, I'm sure there are some other adults listening who have the power to say yes to a young person and probably are saying yes to a young person. And I hope there are some young people listening too who are hearing, oh my God, my story matters. And all I got to do is have the strength to share it. And I will say, you asked when we met. I mean, Marcus, the day we met, my life changed. Like, because you were somebody... We were introduced by our professor. That's it's not as oh. exciting a story as, as it could have been. We would have to make up something better if we want to create drama around it. But we were just introduced by a professor um, that Marcus had that knew me. But I was like, oh, I had the same experience. I was like, okay, so you believe that your story matters too. Like, let's go change the world. And then Dave Kessler, we met. And I think we had a similar experience. And then that's how this whole movement right now, let's just pause and think about the fact that there are literally, at this very moment, kids, you are hearing this message on this podcast through eye to eye chapters, through alums. Like there is a movement of people who are telling their story that is unprecedented in our time. Yeah. And because of that is how we're going to be able to make the change in this world. So I just wanted to name all these other hidden players that make this all possible. Um, so anyhow, I, I will toss it back to Marcus. I know you were in inquiring a bit about sort of like the change that happens. But I just wanted to name there's so many people that make that change possible. And I kind of named some of the change markets I realized in what I was just rambling. So if there's anything you want to add on, um, you know, feel free or take us wherever. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you I think you said it well. I think that's a good point to to shift. There's a there's a part around telling stories that I maybe want to like just 
expose a little bit that I think what happens when you start hearing these stories and participating in this kind of movement with these kind of groups, your stories change. The value and the meaning of the story changes, not the story itself. My story would have started as like a fraud or shame-based. I need to hide parts of who I am. That's what it started. And it wasn't until I met, you know, David and Marcus and everyone at eye to eye with it, I started seeing value in my learning difference. So this thing started as a fraud and turned into a survivor story. And all of a sudden, if I'm able to survive things, I can think about what I did to survive and maybe what other people could glean from it. And it became, there was worth in that all of a sudden. And I think that it's very easy to think about like, what is the purpose of the story? But like, that's the other thing, like David, you said it, like we're, we're grownups, we made it. Like I, I'm this person that like when I turned 40 and I'm kind of like, I'm kind of excited. Like I'm 40, I'm over 40 now. But like when I turned 40, there was this thing where I was like, I did it. And I don't know why, but like, I was like, I survived. I'm 40. <laughs> like, I didn't know if I was going to do this and I did it. And it was like, it, it was this real thing about like, now I'm like one of these old ND people, right? Where like, I could sit on my porch and be like, I remember when there were, there were like CDs or whatever. Like, like there's this, you know, there's this really <laughs> They're a part of like who I am now that is entrenched in meaning that it wasn't before. And, and I think like what eye to eye does, and maybe I'll say this is, is it creates those stories. You're, you're literally taking college students or high school students with learning differences, neurodivergence. You're pairing them up with like middle school students with the similar neurodivergence and they're doing art projects to build a narrative. You know, David, you talk a lot about masks, um, at least in the time we've we've known each other. And I imagine in general, it's, it's, it's a way of understanding what we often need to do. Like if we succeed, may the next generation never even know what we're talking about because they never had to put on the mask. And what I see happen, and I've, we've been around long enough that we've seen this change. But we've, we've been in schools, you know, some of them we've been on for 15 years. And... Um, there is no masking that needs to happen in those schools because after a generation of talking about what's right with kids, I, mean, I shouldn't say there's no masking. Everybody ends up having to find ways, unfortunately, to survive, and that's part of what happens. But the level to which people feel like they need to, you know, put on a mask. I was talking this morning with one of our volunteers who started in the camp. We used to have a summer camp, very similar to the model. And she heard this mother told me about her daughter, who's now a senior in college. And she said, yeah, no, she just wears her story with pride because she started an eye to eye when she was eight. So if you get that message when you're eight, that your story matters and you figure out a way to tell it, how different is your life than you have to wait until you're, you know, in your adulthood to figure it out. And I think that's really what we're, we're starting to hardwire is a complete changing of narratives in schools and in our society. Okay, two thoughts. One, David, back, David Kessler, back to you when you were talking about, um, like, that this environment creates the, like, it's in and of itself is changing the story, right? These rooms, these spaces, the OI, the the schools. Goodness, David Flink, when you're talking about the the generation you've now seen pass through the school, side note, junior high, for the record, right, is it feels like the most vulnerable <laughs> awful everything time. I'm just thinking developmentally. The two thoughts. One is that that is a time too around development where we store our most vivid limbic system emotion 
based memories, right? Like the reason why a lot of people have such vivid recollections of those early pubescent preteen years is because first of all, it's all the, a lot of firsts are happening, but also your brain is like rife with stuff. So I'm just thinking about like that eight-year-old, I'm thinking about that 10-year-old, I'm thinking about that 12-year-old. What happens when at that time, when you're really soaking in things in a very new way, developmentally speaking, right? And then you're, the message you're getting is there's something right with me and I can talk about it and I'm free to talk about it. It's like giving someone the keys to their own identity again, <laughs> to their sense of self. And I, I got it. That's contagious. I think when you witness, you know, the kids who have, who are in D or who have learning differences unmasked or feel freer to unmask, I, I imagine that's true for every kid in that school, right? Like it's, it spreads that sense of you can own who you are. But the thing I want to name David Kessler, gosh, I'm getting confused. I don't know that I have to keep saying both your names. This is, I'm just going to stop that point is, is your, when you're talking about like how that kind of trans transforms that trauma process, it changes what your story is. It gives a new meaning to it. The word I'm thinking about for psychology nerds out there is you're literally rewiring the memory. Like you're literally taking the memory of that initial event. And now it is forever, forevermore linked to the experience you had of watching a kid who is younger than you listen to your story and take it in and reply to you and go, oh my gosh, that happened to me too, right? It, it, it doesn't, you're right, it never changes the original memory, but it layers on more to it. And you just keep adding to it and adding to it. In a nutshell, that's like trauma work, right? Like that is literally healing, collective healing from trauma. And we know we can't do that in isolation. We need relationship to do that. And I think that's the thing I wanted to name even, David, as you said, all these invisible players and all these like spaces you create, it is so brilliantly relational. <laughs> It is generated by connection and community and relationship. And even the idea of we have a culture and we can kind of unite and be proud of it is so relational and so healing. Anyway, that's all. I just want to, I'm going to throw a couple things out because this is a podcast and like it, it requires a level of description. Objectively, David, Marcus, you guys are cool. You, you, you're cool people. <laughs> Um, you're, you're not like people that would like, you'd walk into a room and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm, th th that's not the ND. Oh God. Oh yeah. No, you're cool people. And then when you go to the OI and we're sitting there meeting people, these are really cool young adults. These are people that have a lot to offer that don't feel valued. And I think that having those kinds of role models becomes incredibly important. And yeah, take it. You're cool. <laughs> like it's just a thing. And does that make any sense? Is that, sorry. Yeah, no, we're the James Dean of dyslexia. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just went over everyone's head except for like two people on there listening. But no, I, I think that there was something about this. It's a way to normalizing it and to being comfortable with it and confident about it. And I think in some cases, Dave and I were like, taking the leap, like we were like kind of holding hands and like leaping together and being like, this is going to work, right? We're going to tell our stories. Cause it, cause I remember early on thinking I'm going to be tied to this. There's, there was like no going back to a certain extent, right? I am professionally neurodiverse at this point. If you Google me, I can't bury it at this point. There's no going back. <laughs> and I think that there was a moment of fear in that beginning that we were like, how are people going to be re receive this? And I think that that was one of the things that we kept finding was that we were meeting other 
to use your word, cool people that were also willing to tell their stories and were willing to take that jump with us. And then that gave us more and more confidence to just keep doing it and keep doing it. Because early on, there was it was not it didn't feel as cool as it maybe does today. I have a thesis on your cool thesis, which is, uh, and this will be the overly sentimental version. I think it is always cool to own who you are. And I think that is actually what you see when you see our young people. And you met us, David Kessler. I'm going to continue to use your full name too, even though it's not necessary. Um, At a time where I think we were very lucky in that while we had done this work with young people, they had given us the same gift of reflecting back. Well, we thought our stories mattered and we gave them that in the hope that they would see that their stories mattered. They also then mirrored back to us, no, your stories mattered. That's what you saw. And that's, if you were to visit any of our sites anywhere in the country, you would see the same thing. You would see people from different backgrounds, different races, different classes, different cultures, and they would be so freaking cool because they were proud of their brains. They were proud of how they learned and thought. And there's nothing more beautiful in this world than when you see anybody, a young person or otherwise, just frankly being proud of who they are. Everybody deserves that, right? That's the education equity fight that we are actually in, making sure that everyone has that chance regardless of their background and particularly regardless of their intersexual identities with neurodiversity. So I will take your cool comment only because it's been given to me through this community. Because um, if you you know go back in time before eye to eye, I did not feel confident about who I was and how I learned and thought. Wait, can I check in, David, Marcus? Do either of you, would you self-describe yourselves as cool? Or could you own your coolness? Like when you heard David Kessler say that, were you like, because I saw your faces do a thing and I don't know if it was like, a, oh, thanks. Well, or a... I, I, Isabel, you, you made a really good point at the beginning, which was talking about how trauma sits with you. And um, I will be the first to tell you, and my therapist says it's great to talk about your problems in huge public forums. So this is a perfect place to do it. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I still, including this past week, have nightmares about things that happened to me in school. Mm. And I can talk about them, but I'm still processing them. And that, that experience is what's an affront to me being able to fully lean in and, and embrace and accept that compliment. Because yeah. I don't know, I don't think, David, when you were saying this, you weren't complimenting my hair or my shirt. You were complimenting something about my essence. And same for, you know, and I believe all of you are very cool. Everyone listening is cool because they're taking the chance to lean, lean in and learn more about themselves. So I'm still working on it. I would be a complete fraud to tell you that, oh, I worked out all that stuff. I, I'm still working on it. When I write an email and I know, I know that an explanation point does not go in the middle of a word, but it's there and it takes something from me to be able to make that correction. And that's what I'm working on to at some point in my life, not worry about it not feel like I'm going to be judged. And when I get there, then I'll fully take the compliments. I'm working on it. Marcus may just be like, no, I'm cool. I'm good. I don't know. How are you doing, buddy? Like, are you like, no, I figured all that stuff out. I think we're all using the word cool as much as we have. We're all showing our age. I don't know. If it's, it's really use that word, which is fine. But I, you know, it's, Fire! You're fire. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a, bit of a, a music nerd, and, and and so when I I remember there was a I'm a huge Neil Young fan, and one of my favorite Neil Young songs, "Keep on Rocking in the Free World," and there's a great line in it that always stuck out to me, and it said, "There's another kid. There's another kid that will never go to school, never get to fall in love, never get to be cool." 
And I oh, that line always stuck out to me because it was this idea that there was like a kid, there goes another kid who's we're going to fail as a society. We're going to we're not going to actually connect with and actually get them to to live up to their true potential. And I think that's what we're talking about when we talk about what's cool, right? Is the fact that you're going to be able to engage in your community. You're going to get to fall in love. You're going to get to live the life that you want to live and be your full self. And when you are your full self, you are your true self. That's really cool. And I think that that's something that IDI has given us is, the, is that when we've told our story, as opposed to being someone saying like, that was weird that you did that. They were, it was like a young kid saying, gave me a high five and said, I'm dyslexic too, or told their story and made us feel validated and cool. And that lets you feel more comfortable to, to tell it. So anyways, as we were talking about that, song, that, that this idea of cool, I couldn't help but think of that's that one of my favorite songs. Oh my gosh. Neil Young, but also, oh, okay, David and Marcus. Sorry, David Kessler. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like making hand gestures as if that's gonna do anything. You're not even in the room with me. Um, oh, you're not in the room with me. Um, the uh, okay, this is random tangent, but I'm just throwing it out there because why not? I think about <laughs> there's a show I used to watch obsessively in college that was um like a makeover show, and I'm gonna blank. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it was on Bravo, Stacey London, somebody else. I don't remember. Point is, is they would take somebody who you know was committing a fashion faux pas you know oh no wearing double denim or whatever and then teach him how to was it, it was less about like hey we need to dress you differently and more about how can we get you to own your yourself your body your your feelings and like put it out in the world right you know it was like a makeover show and there's something that one of the people said on there that i never forgot it was someone who had like gone through the process and they're like you either wear the dress or the dress wears you and i think about for some reason <laughs> came into my head was when you're talking about the brain do we wear our brains or do our brains wear us are you wearing your brain when you were saying david kessler was not commenting on your hair or your outfits i actually think a little bit you might have been because both of you are very snazzy and put together no one can whatever you put together i'm just saying it's all i think when you say cool or you say like owning it first off if you i'm using a trick my therapist taught me which is if you can't take the compliment what you do is you physically grab it and you put it in your pocket because you're going to save it for a rainy day. You laugh, try that. You don't have to take it in. You just got to save it and put it in your pocket. It can be near you. It doesn't have to be in you. Like, okay, I'll trust it. One of these days is all going to hit you. Um, but the idea of coolness is like, it's like you're wearing your, your does that make sense? <laughs> it's like you're wearing your brain instead of feeling like you, you got to, I don't know. I talked a lot. No, it makes a lot of, I'm just. It makes a lot of sense, and I want to try to inappropriately sum it up here, if I can. You know, just like inappropriate. Yeah, it's like really reductionistic. No, I think we're talking about what it feels like to feel confidence and mastery, what it feels like to belong, what it feels like to have a community, what it feels like to matter and have value and worth. And I think that there's no way you can embody all those things and not be cool or fire. You know, like I think that this is one of those things that that really resonates with a person. And I think as well, that's what you're talking about when you're saying, are you wearing your brain or is your brain wearing you? I don't know which one is the right way, but I know one of those is probably important, but I do think this is around how we can sit and be comfortable. And I wanna just maybe, I know we're ending really soon. I wanna maybe like put a last word on, on Marcus and David, if I can. What would you both want the world to know or do differently? Or if if everything disappears tomorrow, you know, what, what do you want the legacy of eye to eye to say? 
So everything's gone tomorrow? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all there. No, no it's I, all I, there, I, but I, you I, can't I, talk about it. Like, you want to look at the, your, your, your creations. Look, we started talking about reflecting on the past 25 years and also being, you know, vigilantly loyal to the next 25 years for the organization. And the reason we talk about our work as a movement is, in fact, to the very essence of the question you just stated, which is, I would argue that young people have never been broken. And if there's one thing that we're about that I think is the key to unlocking the greatness for all people, and particularly those who are neurodiverse, it's what we've been talking about today. You know, the, the, your brain is beautiful, your story matters, and, um, you know, have the courage to, to share that with the world. Yeah, I think that to build on that a little bit, I think Dave, Dave's used this phrase a lot, and I'm going to borrow it, which is the, the no statues that we're not designing an organization to leave back a, a monument of like, look at this eye to eye thing. It was so amazing. And these two guys did this thing that was so great. I think if, uh, if we're forgotten as a part of somebody who, you know, if we are a spark that allows hundreds of thousands of people to share their story. And hopefully that continues from generation to generation and has this impact that is really in some ways kind of very measurable. And then yet also very not measurable. I think that would be phenomenal. And I think that like if if there are more, especially when we start thinking about the stories of students who are, you know, students of color, students from under-resourced households, students who whose voices are even more squashed and even less represented in our society, and, and especially when we think about the neurodivergent community. I think if we helped to make a generational shift that allows those young people to be able to come out and share this identity with us and share their stories and help people understand that this is, uh, a beautiful part of the diversity of human experience that there is there are there we are on a spectrum of gender we are in a spectrum of sexuality we're on a spectrum of neurodiversity and that like we need to understand that if we're going to truly meet people where they are and, and make sure that they feel seen and heard and valued and um so yeah so i i'm totally cool with i like to be remembered for being at least a little cool i'll take that but other than that <laughs> Totally forgotten and just uh, somebody who helped other people, helped facilitate the stories uh, of others. You both are really saying you want the world to feel different. You don't want eye to eye to be the shining symbol. You want the world to feel different and you want kids to feel different. 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I have nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.